Yes, indeed, powerful people. This is another episode of Breaking the Machine. I'm your host, Ahmad the Poet, alongside my partner, Spank the Bank. What up, though? And today, you got another powerful episode for you. Today is one of those different episodes. If you're listening on audio, today is our first virtual episode. We've been trying to do this for a long time, letting y'all know that it's on the way. And we got a very powerful, special guest on with us today, man. Um, we, we, we got the poet. We got the motivational speaker, author, um, um, storyteller. Uh, we, we, all around real life influencer, um, thought leader, man. We got the, the, this brother, the, the, this this man, I've been watching him and just following his movement for a long time. So I'm honored to have him on and just having to tell his story and just, you know, bring light to this show, man, and hopefully break some machines with us, man. We got Adam Rowe on the podcast with us today. How you doing today, my friend? Yeah, what's up, guys? This is This is an honor for me to be your first virtual interview. I'm a big fan of what you guys put out and and the messages that that you spread. Man, I appreciate that. Um, there's so many different angles that we can go in, and these are these are the type of shows that I love when I got a guest on. There's so many different angles that we can go in because it's just like uh, so much we could touch on. Um, I wanted to start off touching on um, love in a way. You know, um, I know you're very vocal about love and and, and exiting a um a nine year marriage. I believe it was. And just how kind of that took you on an emotional roller coaster. And we've had a lot of, well, quite a few guests on the show come in and they talk about ayahuasca and all these different things and how it's an enlightenment. But just the whole relationship and being able to get out of that relationship and get some sort of clarity. What has that taught you about what love is in, in, in a basic sense? <laughs> Can you ever make love basic? Uh, you mm. know, <laughs> in a basic sense, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, love is one of the most complex mm. and, and simple aspects of, of life itself. And uh, a mentor of mine once said to me, um, whenever you find a paradox, that's the closest you get to God, mm. because God is everything. It's all of it. God is, God is the victim and the victimizer, right? The, the murdered and the murderer. God is in the crime and in the innocence. And so all of that is a paradox. And so when we find paradox, we're touching God. It's, it's the closest we get. And I don't know if there's any greater paradox than love itself, because love is the thing where the moment you expand in love, you have immediately expanded in your um, ability to feel corresponding pain mm. because you expand in love. All of a sudden you have the opportunity to know what it is to lose that love. And I think I'm not a parent, but what I hear from parents is the moment your child is born, are either of you parents? Yeah, I'm one. Yeah. All right. So, so Spank, maybe you can, can attest to this, this, the moment your child is born, your heart expands into a level of love you just didn't even know was possible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's that other side of the coin, which is what happens if you lose that love? What if something happens to that love? What if you lose that child? What, anything like that. And so we can't expand in any one direction. We expand as a circle. We expand as all of it. And for me, I, I was in a nine and a half year. It wasn't a marriage, but it might as well have been. And mm. Uh, from the ages of basically 23 to 33. So I became a man in relationship to a woman. I, I didn't know myself as a man outside of that, that dynamic. And 
the last four years, ever since leaving that has been a a real discovery of myself. You know, I, I felt like 40 year old virgin coming out mm. of, of a cave going like, what the hell? I've never, Instagram wasn't even around when, when mm. I first entered into that relationship. And, and I definitely didn't have a social media following. And all of a sudden I was single and a, a quote unquote influencer. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And uh, th- this journey of, of figuring it out, man, is, has been profound for sure. <laughs> so so do you do you think it's something that's easy is is love supposed to be easy or is it supposed to be long suffering because i hear people say it's supposed to be easy and then i hear other people say it's supposed to be long suffering or is it somewhere in the middle in your opinion well i feel like love is an art form i mm. i feel that love I made a reality show. So after that breakup, I, st- I brought cameras and they followed me around the world for the next year of my life, making a reality that, show. Yeah. yeah, I put it out on YouTube. Uh, it's called The Art of Choosing Love. And, th- and the reason why I, I called it that is because ev- love is all of it, right? It's all love. I-, I really believe that. I believe you could take the most dark, sinister, evil seeming action on the planet. And if you really just keep peeling back the layers, you're going to find where there's ultimately a kernel of love. Mm. And, and we could play that game if you want, but literally the worst acts, I think you can find a kernel of love at the root of all of them. It's just got distorted along the way of how they think they need to get that love. Mm-hmm. But if, if that means that there's love in everything, if love is the fabric of all of this, then that means every possible viewpoint is viewing it from that person's lens of love or that person's lens of what love is not. And that's a really humbling perspective to take on because what it means is you and I might look at, all three of us could view a situation. We could be looking at the, what just happened with the Will Smith situation, Yeah. right? And so we might disagree about what the loving choice is. Was that the loving choice to d- defend mm. his woman like that? Was it the, not the loving choice because violence is never the answer and it, it doesn't, whatever it is, but the thing is, we're all going to be viewing it through the perspective of what was the loving choice. And I think the real question that I sit with all the time is what would love do in this moment? Mm. What, is, what is the most loving choice that I personally can make in this moment? And the funny thing is about that is a month later, with a little bit more information, maybe you would listen to a podcast like this and you just like, oh, wow, that opens my eyes. You look mm. back on what you did a month ago and go, man, I could have made a different choice that would have been more loving. But if we are consistently making the most loving choice that we can in any given moment, then I believe that we're at the edge of consciousness and we are creating the most loving reality that we possibly can. And at the end of the day, that's the best that we can do. So how, how do you think communication has shifted with the progression of social media? Because I, I know a lot of people, you know, talk about social media in a negative context. And a lot of us influencers, it can be a positive and to entrepreneurs and different things. But how do you think it's changed the way that we communicate and deal with one another? Because um, those opinions kind of shape what we feel is already our what we've already made up about our mind, like if 
if some if, if if that incident had happened with Will Smith off the and, and it, there was no social media, I don't know if everybody would take it this the same way that they're taking it now. Do you think like social media kind of changes the way that we communicate with one another? I mean, it definitely changes the way we communicate with one each one another for sure. Whether that's a good or bad, I'm putting quotations for people listening to mm-hmm. that because because good and bad also relative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, this is what I believe. I believe that everything is neutral and we assign value to it. So every action we assign that value, every emotion we feel, literally when you feel the most sadness you've ever felt in your life, uh, I imagine you guys doing the work that you do, you haven't gotten here without having to walk through the valley of the shadow of death in your own ways. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so with that, when you're in the darkest of moments, we assign the value. People get into a, a sadness and they say, this is bad, I shouldn't be sad. By saying you shouldn't be sad, all of a sudden you've just now made sadness wrong. And because you're feeling it, you've made yourself wrong, which just creates this perpetuating cycle of spiraling into I'm, I'm fucking it all up. <laughs> and at, at the core of it, when we can say, all right, well, I'm feeling this thing. What is sadness? Sadness is just a feeling in my body. Sadness is maybe a pain in my chest, com- uh, also a tightness in my throat. Mm. And, and, and I get teary eyed, like these are just feelings and sensations. And for some reason I've decided that that means it's bad and I shouldn't be feeling that. And similarly, that's the same thing with every event that we come across that we experience, right? It's the same thing with every tool or item that, that we come across. For example, uh, a hammer, you could use a hammer to, to build a house for someone you love. You could use a hammer to kill somebody. Mm. A hammer you could water you can drown in water if you don't know how to swim or yeah. you can you can save someone who's dying of thirst social media is not any different social media c- provides us an opportunity to become more aware of what's happening on the planet which to me awareness and consciousness really are synonymous which means that we have the opportunity to become more aware or more conscious therefore we have a chance to expand consciousness mm. on the planet because we have this this thing that is social media how many of us would even know what's going on in ukraine how many of us would even know what's what uh, yes, what happened with Will Smith, but how many of us would even know what's going on with the truckers in Canada if it wasn't for social media? And simultaneously, social media can be used to manipulate. Social media can be used to create more separation. Social media can be used to um, bring us into these siloed echo chambers where Mm. we think that the world is actually the way we see it when the world is not the way that we see it, which Mm. that's a whole rabbit hole, man. If if people haven't seen the social dilemma, if you haven't seen the social dilemma on uh, the documentary, I recommend you go and watch it right now. So you get an understanding of how literally what you're seeing on your Instagram is reinforcing beliefs that you have about the world but it is not actually how the world is. It is a tiny framework and lens that is meant specifically for you. The same way when, if you went to the same three restaurants over and over and over again, you would think that's all the food in the world, Mm. but it's not. 
and similarly with social media. And so I don't think that it, it's good or bad, but I do think that if, if we don't have awareness of how it is manipulating us and how we can use it more consciously, we will get sucked into um, a way of using it that is not supportive of a more connected world. So yeah, you can go. Yeah, so that's, I did see that uh, documentary on uh, Netflix. Uh, my question is for you is, uh, being an open book, does that help you during your dark times? Like, what made you be an open book and just be like, yo, fuck it, I'm going to be me? That's a great question. To be honest with you, it came out of a really deep wound and insecurity. Uh, so I was, uh, I was molested at the age of five. Mm. And I didn't remember that memory till I was 30. So it was repressed in my, my unconscious uh, until two consecutive ayahuasca ceremonies brought those memories back to me. And I then at the age of 30 began looking back at my life, 25 years of how this one event impacted me without me even knowing it. It's like I built an identity off something that was missing a piece. And I, I describe it like having this a tree that was grown out with a rotten, one rotten root or whatever that infiltrated to every branch. And I needed to trace every branch all the way back down to the root, get the rot out and let it regrow itself. And that those, those branches are my relationships with men because it was a man who did it, my relationships with women, my relationships to my, my sexual energy, my relationships to finances, my relation, like everything had been impacted by this without me knowing it. One of the core beliefs that came out of that was that there was something wrong with me and I didn't know what it was. And so when something bad would happen, like when I got cheated on, when I started dating, when I was like 18 and love of my life and cheating on me, well, well, that's because there's something wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. And that created a lack of trust in myself. And so I would be the guy that when I got into my 10-year my partnership would ask, hey, does this make me a bad person if I don't want to go to this, this person's birthday party? Can you read this text message? Can you read this text message and just let me know? Do I come across as an asshole? I just didn't have trust in myself because, because there was a deep belief that I, there was something wrong with me. And so why this is relevant to your question is because being as raw and vulnerable as I was by making that reality show and the way that I share on my podcast, The Deep Dive, or on my other podcast, You're Too Much, uh, I share so vulnerably, and I did, because I basically had this desire to say, here's all of me, metaphorically naked. I am revealing all of myself. And if I'm willing to do that, and you could see all of me, and then there's nothing left to hide. I can't be a bad person. There must, there can't be anything wrong with me. I put it mm. all on display. There's nothing left to show you. Mm. And so in a way it was born out of my deepest wound and deepest insecurity. And it was my way of trying to heal it. And I think that's, by the way, I think that's, that's most of our deepest most inspiring aspects are born out of our deepest wounds. Yeah, that's, 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 that was beautiful, man. Uh, mm -hmm. 
it's even going back to the Will Smith situation. I feel like that was very the same thing, you know, letting everything out. You know, yeah, I did something wrong, but it's me being me at the end of the day, me being vulnerable and just me letting my, you know, flaws show. Cause it's just crazy how one person make one mistake and we just pointing the finger. But when you constantly just being you, them, crit them, them critics that come at you doesn't do anything to you. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm going more towards that journey as well. That's why I'm like, when you say you was open book, I'm like, that's powerful. That's very powerful. You're a powerful human being for just being an open book and being very vulnerable as you are. So salute to Thank you, Adam. Yeah, and, and using that Will Smith incident as an example, did you did you listen to or read his book? Yes, that's why so, I understood where he was coming from. Yeah, so in that book, for people who haven't read it yet, I actually really recommend it. I thought it was, I would listen to it because he narrates it and it, it's good. Um, in that book, he talks about this event that, that was one of his deepest wounds that he experienced in childhood, which was mm -hmm. he saw his father beat the shit out of his mom mm -hmm. and he did not step in. He didn't do anything. And I think he was like seven or something. And his younger brother, who's like five years old, actually stepped in and tried to help their mom. And ever since that event, he has felt like a coward. He says this in his book. He felt like a coward since he was seven because he didn't stand up for his mom. Now, when you look at that through the lens of his deepest wound and you see now Chris Rock on stage making poking fun at his wife for a medical condition that she has, which is one of her deepest insecurities. He's now in his little ch child, his, in his inner child who didn't stand up for his mom and is triggered in that moment of going, I'm not going to let someone come after some, the, the main woman in my life and mix in with that. All of the, I need to be more of a man because the entire world is coming at me because Jada has a boyfriend that's half my age that publicly is like all of that plays into it mm -hmm. as well. So there's his ego that's in there as well, but you can actually have a little compassion for the, the little boy who's like, this is, this is someone coming after the, the woman who means more to me than anything. And I need to stand up for her. And again, we, at the end of the day, man, we are, we are, never free of our inner children mm -hmm. ever mm -hmm. ever you can be you can be 90 years old and i promise you you got your little kid in there somewhere that still wants to be seen and heard and loved and be told that he is special and he is he is um so amazing all of that will always be in us and especially men man we want that from we want that from women so badly so badly and I don't think that that's wrong. I think that's part of the divine design. However, I, I do think if we're not aware of it, we become unconscious and we react. Make no mistake, Will Smith is someone, he sat a bunch of ayahuasca ceremonies. He's been on a spiritual journey. He is, he is a conscious human being doing great shit in the world. And in that moment, in that moment, he reverted back to his little kid and simultaneous into his ego who needed to, to, to prove a point. And, and, and I know it, it was need to prove a point because he didn't fight Chris Rock. He slapped him. You know how disrespectful that is. That's mm -hmm. very disrespectful. Man, Chris Rock traumatized too. Yeah. About it. And that's, and that's the thing we're not, we're not even talking about is like, how, how is Chris Rock being helped right now? Man. 
How is who's who's talking to Chris Rock? Who what who what collective conversation is happening around when you've just been res, disrespected on a global level? When you've been in and you guys you guys know like so I grew up so blessed because my dad's from the Philippines and in my extended family, like he's one of nine kids. So in my extended family, my, my Filipino side married Hispanic, Korean, black. Um, there's so many, so much culture that I grew up in and minority culture is different. Mm -hmm. Something that I say, cause I have my white side of the family too. And I grew up in, in a uh, mostly white neighborhood in Arizona my white friends didn't have any culture. They just didn't have any culture, man. And uh, it's funny to look back on it and realize what a blessing it is to have some culture. But in the minority culture in particular, there is something around do not look like a bitch. Mm -hmm. That aspect what is, I don't know what that is. If it's from the immigrant mentality from my side of like, you have to prove yourself. That's why you came to this country. Like, I don't even know. And that's obviously a different come to America than, than what black culture has come from. But there is something around that. And so while Will Smith took action to not look like a bitch in his mind, Chris Rock is now going through the mindset. We know it, he's going through, I looked like a bitch. Mm -hmm. to the, on, 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 on global stage, mm -hmm. what's that doing to his psyche? What's that conversation? So I, I, I don't know, man, this, I don't know where we went through, through all of this. I, I like to, to get lost in these conversations, but I hope that answered your, I don't even remember the conversation to be honest. No, it, it was, it was a beautiful answer. And, um, I wanted to touch on a little bit something you said a little bit earlier when you was talking about feeling insecure, but I was feeling like there was something wrong with you because you were hiding something. You felt like you were hiding something. And when you revealed it all is when you got that thought off your, your, your brain. And I had never thought about that before. And I think that's something that I'm dealing with now. It's just like, you're not living it all out. And then I was like, dang, I never thought about that solution. Cause that solution doesn't seem like a solution. It seems like the worst nightmare to reveal everything and to say, okay, now if you accept me now that I revealed it all, I know that was all in my head. But that's like impossible for a lot of people to reveal it all and then to just live your truth openly and then have people fall from you and those who stay, you know you was like as solid as you always thought you were. So that's super powerful. I never had ever thought about it like that. And uh yeah, your, your expansion is always on the other side of your fear. Mm. Always. Your expansion is always on the other side of your fear because the only reason that there's something to expand beyond is because there's a fear there. Mm. There's a fear, a doubt, a limiting belief, an insecurity. There's something that has said, hey, this is the furthest that you've gone into your expansiveness now. And the moment that you actually face off with that fear, you can expand beyond it. And who knows how far it'll expand, but you'll hit another part of you that's like a little afraid, some fear, there's an insecurity, whatever that is, and you'll hit that. And then at a certain point, you'll be ready to face off with that again. And so the further or the more intense the fear you face off with, the greater your expansion on the other side. So let me ask you about happiness, because um, I know you travel a lot. And uh, I hear a lot of people um, say all the time that a lot of people in third world countries seem happier than we are. 
And um, I mean, it's like a running narrative that I hear a lot. Do you think that's due to the lack of finances, like the lack of money, or is it the lack of comparison or is it something completely different? I think it's a lack of comparison. I, I think that that if I had to simplify it, because there's a lot of factors into it, for sure. Culture is a big one. How, mm. how, how you're raised when, when you have less, you rely on each other more. Mm. Uh, and so that, that is built into it. Uh, I had this really interesting experience. So I went and volunteered in a refugee camp uh, many years ago in Athens. And the, the refugee camp was primarily Syrian refugees, Iraqi refugees, and Afghani refugees. And these were people who came from a more modernized society. I mean, they were familiar with television. They were familiar with American culture. They were familiar with, you know, cell phones and things like that. And so these people in the, the refugee camp that I was volunteering in were, there was a lot of unhappiness, mm. a lot of unhappiness. There were a lot, there was a lot of fighting between, you know, the, the different races. There was, um, a lot of apathy, um, and, and things like that. And then I went immediately from, from volunteering there to Tanzania with my friend's uh, nonprofit organization. And we built water wells in villages outside in, in Tanzania. Mm. And I was terrified because it was so heavy coming from the refugee camp, so heavy that I was actually terrified I was gonna go to people who had even less and as a result, it was going to be even heavier. And I was super scared and I didn't know if I could handle it. I was like, ah, I don't know if I can deal with this. And then I went to these villages, man, and they were singing and dancing and they were playing, they were playing soccer every day. These kids with, they would take the inside of mattresses, the little like foam from the inside of mattresses and tie it up with scraps of clothing. And that would be the ball that they would play soccer with. And the, it, it was amazing to see how happy they, they actually were to, to play with that soccer ball. And what was interesting is we brought gifts. And so towards the end, we would share these gifts. And, and one of the gifts that, that were brought, which in hindsight, I, I would recommend if anyone goes and, and does stuff like this, don't bring these, but stickers. They brought, brought stickers because mm. it, it just becomes litter. But the stickers and we'd give them to the kids, right? And they'd put them on their face or whatever. And the moment that there was a have and have not, these kids started fighting with each other for the stickers. Mm. These kids started like trying to get more, pretend they didn't get any stickers in order to get more stickers. Mm. And there was this interesting shift that I just saw that when there was nothing to get, let's all share this this makeshift ball and have fun and whatever, when there was a, you have stickers and I don't, there was just a different energy that happened. And that experience was so eye-opening to me that really speaks to that one saying, right? Which is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And when we compare, that's the problem. And that is, speaks to our earlier conversation around social media, because when you see people driving, traveling the world, you know what I mean? When I'm posting stories, traveling the world, you're also 
not that's why I try and share the stories like the other night when I was sitting here by myself and I was lonely. Mm. I was super lonely. And I was talking about how I, I get lonely, not even on date, like bad days. I get lonely on really good days. That's when I get mm. most lonely. I actually get lonely when I feel like I crushed my day and I had great meetings and blah, blah. And I look around and I go, I don't have anyone to celebrate with. I don't have, I don't have someone who just said, you just put in six solid hours on meetings and, and it was amazing. Baby, you did so good. Here's a hug. Man. Here's that pat on the back. <laughs> so yeah. it's my good days that actually I find myself to be more lonely. And I posted about that because I desire to show both sides of the coin. It, it, while most people are just posting the highlight reel and then we're entering into a comparison and that comparison is where we find that story I was just telling you about. And, and that's what I think can really derail someone's entire life. That's, that's crazy that you say that because uh, yesterday me and Amaya was talking and we talked about how on social media, you constantly see somebody else moving, but you're not seeing yours because you're constantly looking down and not looking inward. You know what I'm saying? We constantly just looking down and seeing by else's story. And then shit, we forgot about our story. You know, so like, you know, he was just saying, you know, we were just saying like, man, how we just sometimes just feel like we just gotta detach and just get mm -hmm. away just to go back to our thoughts and our story. Because one day I see somebody doing a wholesale deal. Then one day I see somebody doing trucking. One day I see somebody hosting. It's like, yo, I can do all those things. Now I'm trying to do all them things with, $2,000 in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I can't, I can't compare myself there, but I have to really focus on me and my vision. So like, that's crazy that you even put, you know, talked about it like that. Yeah. I think that, I think that people get to ask themselves, what, what, what does happiness really mean to you? I, I don't think it's a, it's a, question that's asked enough at a deep enough level it sounds cliche it does when i say when i say that it sounds cliche it's like oh yeah what does happiness mean blah, blah, blah. but happiness means something different to everybody it does and so if if you're in pursuit of happiness it's funny that's a will smith reference i guess mm -hmm. if you are if you are if you are actually wanting to be happy but you don't actually know what happiness means to you, how would you ever expect to find it? How will you ever know that you arrived? You're constantly gonna be chasing this idea because it doesn't have any tangible. What does success mean? People say, I wanna be successful. What does that mean? And then most people have some just generalized answer like, oh, I, I wanna make a million dollars. Amazing, mm. why? Why would you like to make a million dollars? Please tell me why you would like to make a million dollars. Most all people, my bills. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, I'll what I tell people is when I made a million dollars, I fell into the deepest depression of my life. Wow. Mm -hmm. I fell into a deep, deep depression after making a million dollars. And why is I, that? Why? Mm -hmm. Because I... I think on the, on the core level, I can get into, a, there's a lot of reasons. If you can't tell I'm mm -hmm. an analytical human being, I, I go into depth in a lot of different ways. And if I were to really simplify it, it's because I got a million dollars and nothing changed internally. Mm. And I went, oh shit, now what? Mm -hmm. Because 
that million dollars can pay those bills off. And on the other side of the coin, that million dollars, now everyone else thinks your million dollars can pay their bills off. So there's, there's mm -hmm. just an added thing that comes with it. There's a million, my million dollars can now get me, I can travel anywhere in the world. And on the other side is that of that is like, but like, where do I go? Where do I actually feel at home? Where do I, where do I feel wanted? Where, what do I do? Like, what do I, how do I make this mean something? All of those questions come with it too. There's, there's always going to be two sides of, of everything. There's that, like we were talking about at the very beginning of this. And I think deep down at the core, when you get everything you've ever wanted and then you realize you're still unhappy, that's, that's, a, that's a scary place to be, man, because now it's just you. Now you realize it's you that's the source of your unhappiness. And when you face off with the reality that you being the so source of your own unhappiness, that's, that's, that's humbling and that's scary. And it, for me, it was incredibly depressing to, to find my way out of that. It's something that you, that you posted on Instagram a few weeks ago that was real impactful. Um, you talked about meditation and meditating on the beach and how it was like, you, it, it really touched me because I was like, man, sometimes I'd be meditating and I really be receiving what I really just be getting this great feeling. And then other times it's just like, dang, I wasn't meditating. And I was sitting down for like an hour really trying to unwind. And it's just like a battle. And you was like, it's not always about a transcendent feeling. Sometimes it's just sitting in that that battle and just stand there and knowing that you can do it. And it's like building up that strength. And I was like, I never thought about it like that. But then it really made me think like, dang, I really do be meditating. Cause some days it'd be very transcendent and other days it'd be just like a straight battle. The battle is what allows you to have the transcendent experience. Mm. The, the, the battle, you don't break your own world record every time you run the track. You don't break, mm. you don't break your personal best every single time. So, but what allows you to break your personal best is all the times you didn't. And so when, when we're in meditation, if we're looking at this, like, oh, I didn't have a transcendent experience and therefore it was a waste, I'm doing it wrong, et cetera. What all that does is make it harder to go back and do it the next day because we, we've judged ourselves mm. and we thought we, we failed or we did a shitty job. But when we look at it as, yo, every time I do this is just running another mile. I'm running another mile and every once in a while I'll run that mile where, where it all fits in just right. And I set a new record for myself. I have the most transcendent experience of ever, ever in my life. I have that aha moment that really mm -hmm. sets in, but that next aha moment is going to require you to hit a depth that you've never hit before. And that depth that you've never hit before is going to require you to sit through all of the resistance on all those days that you're not hitting that depth. Mm. And so it's, that's, it's like, that's, mm -hmm. it's, it's all the thing that, and I, you guys post a lot about this and a lot of content around this, which, which I love, which is, you know, this is all holograms, man. This is all fractals. Mm -hmm. This is all just the same patterns repeating themselves over and over and over again. The patterns by which you evolve in your physical body are not different on how you evolve in your spiritual body. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at, man, I go to the gym and I know I could bench press this much, but for whatever reason this day, I just can't do it. I don't look at that as a failure. 
I look at that as I'm building the strength so that I will get, I'm getting stronger. I'm putting in the reps. And that should be the same way people approach meditation or, or yoga or a plant medicine ceremony or, or any aspect of it. It's you put in the reps. That's it. And if you don't love putting in the reps, you get to find a different thing mm. because it's going to be hard. If, if you don't like going to the gym, great, go join a boxing class. If you don't like boxing, great, go take up swimming. If you don't like swimming, go take up yoga, but find something that you enjoy the reps. And by the way, that doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, if it's easy for you, it's probably not the thing. Stop slacking off. Mm. One of the things about flow state and Stephen Kotler's work um, about how to get into an optimal flow state, one of the things that's required about the activity is that it is challenging. If, it is not a, if it's not challenging to you, you're not at your edge. And if you're not at your edge, you don't have to call on those aspects of yourself that are the part of you that let you know you're expanding. And so it needs to be challenging. So don't make a mistake in thinking that enjoyment has to mean it's easy. Find mm. something that's hard for you that you enjoy. That's the key. Mm. Well, um, who are people that, you know, you uh, inspire you to get into poetry? Ooh. Any... Who has, it's interesting. I had this. So I used to write poetry as a kid. I used to write tons of poetry. And then I stopped because when I went into high school, I didn't think I was creative uh, in that way. I thought I was the logical linear businessman mindset. And so I just decided I'm going to be, I'm going to be successful in business. That's what I wanted to do. Not because that's what I wanted to do, but that's because that's what I thought would make me a lot of money and making a lot of money was what I thought I needed to do in order to find love is my achievements. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, then I, I made a decision in college that I was going to move out to Los Angeles and pursue an acting career. I said, I'm going to follow my heart. I'm, I'm, I, I just, I don't want to spend my life trying to um, do what everyone else is telling me is going to make me happy. It was my first really big leap of faith where what I felt true in my heart and my soul didn't make logical sense or was super scary, but it was the most important thing that I could do. And uh, in that journey, I found rejection after rejection. It was very hard. It beat me down as someone who things came very easily to me, the acting world. Uh, I was a great actor, but there's a lot that, that was out of my control that at that time I was waiting on, waiting on calls, waiting on opportunities, waiting, waiting, waiting. And it broke me down really deeply. And that's what led to my spiritual awakening ultimately. And after that spiritual awakening, I started sharing. I've been putting out content for free on the internet since 2013. And so uh, that was when I first started posting Facebook videos and, and stuff about manifestation and law of attraction, all the things that I was learning. And I was started getting invited to speak. And I went to an event that I, that I was gonna speak at and there were all of these speakers that were going and you got five minutes. And the last person to go was a spoken word poet. And I had never, I was like, tw I'm 20, I might be like 30 years old at this point, 30, 30 years old. And I have never, ever heard spoken word poetry in my life. Mm. I don't know how, I really don't. 
or maybe I'd heard it, but never thought about it uh, in that way. But as soon as that person went, I had a lightning bolt through my system and I went, I can do that. And I went home and I wrote my first ever poem and I read it to my friends the next day. And they said, that's really good. And one of my friends said, your next one should be called, you are who you've been looking for. And I thought, okay, why not? I, I, I and I went home and within two days I wrote, you are who you've been looking for, which went on years later to go viral. It's been viewed over 200 million times. It's the thing mm -hmm. that built my entire social media because that thing went viral. And it was the second poem I ever wrote as an adult, really. Um, and like for, for, as a performance piece, by the way, I was writing a bit of poetry here and there randomly, but I consider it, it spoken word poetry because it's intended to be spoken. It's writ, I hear it when I'm writing it. I know that I want to be delivering it out loud. And since then, I go randomly sometimes on YouTube and I just look up poets. I've listened to like Seku Andrews and his, and his um, Grammy nominated album. I've listened to NQ. Um, I've listened to Prince EA. You know, these are people who have impacted me. And um, to be honest, you'll find some gems on YouTube, just searching spoken word poetry and, and looking at that. Whenever I feel creatively blocked, this is something that's really important that I teach people is people think that inspiration is something that like happens to you. Like I got struck by inspiration. Inspiration is something you go and find. You go and get inspired. And so whenever I feel creatively blocked, I start taking in other people's creativity. I start watching YouTube videos of po poets. I start listening to music I've never listened to before. I start um, watching documentaries about Kanye West and, or, uh, or whoever. And I start, I start getting inspired again and uh, finding my creative fuel. And so I don't have like a mentor. I don't have some one person was like, this is my favorite. Um, to be honest with you, most people's poetry I respect, but I don't like. <laughs> and, and that's just because like, think about how much music is out there. How much do you really like? Do you respect mm. it? But how much do you really like? Where you're mm -hmm. like, oh my God, that blew my mind. However, what I love is I might listen to an entire poem and go, I don't want to listen to that poem again, but there's one line in there. There's one line in there that stuck, like just, just stuck with me. And that's all I need. The way that they connected that rhyme scheme, that's why I love listening to Eminem when I'm starting to write poetry again. Because the way that dude connects rhyme schemes, like inner rhymes within lines and stuff, like I haven't even heard someone do that before. How did that, what? And just exposing myself to that, hearing how someone compares a, um, like this breakup to making spaghetti. The, what? Like how they do something like that just opens my mind. And so I would say that, that my inspiration comes from not one person, but like singular lines or singular moments within people's performances, whether it's a famous, someone like Eminem or, or someone completely unknown that I found randomly on YouTube. In, in, in uh, something that you was talking about in your, uh, on a podcast, I think it was uh, the 22 podcast, if I'm not mistaken, you had did an uh, interview on there and um, you was talking about the community that you built and meeting with them multiple times a week. And um, how you found the more times you met, 
the least it was like well received is like the less you met the the more they appreciated it so could you talk about that a bit like sometimes overconsumption kind of makes you like not value something more like the least time you spend uh, with somebody or doing something it's like it means a little bit more like sometimes overdoing it is is not it's not going to make somebody appreciate something yeah we're in this interesting world of factory farmed content we're we're in we're in the world of so every time i put out a post i gain followers that's how it works. I just posted a reel of me. Like, let's do it real time so people can, can actually know. I'll give you the, the exact statistics. I just posted a reel last night of me performing a, an excerpt of my poetry. It was 19 hours ago, right? And in 19 hours so far, not even a day, it has been shared 833 times. This reel, right? 833 times, which you guys are in the, the world. You guys have a thing, so you know, right? 31,000 views. 833 shares in, in 19 hours. Now, that gets me new followers. Every time I post something, it is shared. New people see it. New people start following. So from that mindset, this is the growth algorithm that Instagram sucks people into, which is, well, I might as well post three times a day because I'll gain more followers every single day if I do that. And what that leads to is the factory farmed content game, which is by the way, like the Gary V. I love Gary V. That dude went through some sort of awakening. I know it when I meet him, I'm going to ask him because his content used to be strive and grind, grind mm. out, like work nonstop. That used to be his content. His content has shifted in the last several years into yeah. do what makes you happy. And I don't know what he did, but there was a shift but he's in the game of, of factory farm content, which is make as much content, post as much of it on as many platforms as you possibly can. When you listen to him give advice to people, he's like, you should be posting on TikTok four times a day because you never know what will click, what will take. And, and every time you post, you gain momentum, you gain followers. But when everyone is doing that, it's, it's just noise. It's just noise. At the end of the day, let's be real. I'm the same way. How many people find an amazing meme from someone or a piece of poetry from someone or a reel from someone? They, they look at it. They like what it says. They hit like and they move on. How many? Yeah, me too. How many posts do you read? How many reels do you watch that you actually take that in and go, holy shit, this has... I'm going to change my life because of this. I'm going to, I'm going to do something different because of that. It's, it's sometimes, yeah. Yeah, really, sometimes, yeah. but for, for the most part, mo and, and you guys are a special breed of human because look at what you do with your lives. Look at what, look at the way that you show up, look at the consciousness that you're bringing to everything that you do. And you guys like me are so, so every once in a while, something will stand out. But most of the time it's like, ooh, I like that. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that was cool. And you just hit like, you move on. Sometimes I'll see that, I don't even read the caption. And when we look at the, the rest of the world that, that most people are not carrying the same consciousness that you guys have, they're not living with the same intention for their lives that you guys have, 
Even the people listening to this podcast, if you are listening to this podcast, you are in the top 5% of people on the planet that are interested in evolving your consciousness and making something happen for your life. That's the only reason you're listening to this. But everyone else, they're scrolling through. They're like, oh, that's funny. Click that. Oh, yeah. Gary Vee just said something that that's inspiring. Let me click that. But very few people are now taking that and changing something in their behavior. And here's the thing. If you're not changing your behavior, you're not changing your life. You could read a thousand motivating mm. memes a day, but if you don't change your behavior, you're not changing your life. And I want people who watch my content and listen to my podcast, I want them to change their life. I have no interest in reaching, uh, I, the, my poem has been seen by 200 million people. I have no interest in reaching 200 million people and having 10 of them change their lives because of it. I mm. want to reach 2,000 people and have 2,000 people change their lives because of it. That's what I'm here to do because, by the way, that's not a selfless thing. That's not some cliche bullshit that just sounds good. If 2,000 people change their lives in a more loving way and are happier, I'm living in a world in which 2,000 people are happier on the planet. That's a world I want to live in. It makes my world better when I'm around happy people. I want, I want the people I, I talk to on podcasts. I want people in my communities. I want people that I engage with at the store. I want them to be happy. That, that will make me happier because I'm in that frequency all the time. So the idea of changing people's lives is not selfless. It's, it's equally about them and me and the life. And we get to be honest about that. I want to live in a life full of healthy, a world full of, of healthy, happy people. So I'm going to spread content that helps people become healthy and happy, plain and simple. I love it. I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you um, before we wrap up, because you, you did talk about your move to L.A., and how you got into uh, a management deal or, you know, somebody was managing you and you had to give them everything in your bank account in order to get out of this management deal. Um, just talk about, I know sometimes grind has a negative connotation, but just talk about that mindset that you had to go into to let go of that and keep going, even though somebody had put you back to zero financially. Ooh. Um, <laughs> to give you an idea of, of where I was to where I've been, this person was verbally abusive to me. This is a manager that had me change my name, had me um, change my hair, told me, would say just at one point in time, especially when I wanted to get out of the contract, was calling me a moron, um, like on the phone <laughs> with me, telling, telling me, all kinds of just negative stuff. And I took it because I thought this person knew how to, to further my career. That's how desperate I was. That's how low my self-esteem was to be willing to accept that as a way of, of um, being. And so I say that because I don't care where you are in your life right now. I don't care how, how broke you are, how broken you feel you are, how insecure you might be. You can completely and radically change your life. And for me, I wanted out of this contract with this person who was just not nice and not actually doing a good job either. And I 
to get out of that contract, he wanted to, he like quoted me some crazy amount of money. And it's like, I don't even have anywhere close to that amount of money. Um, and the part of this is I signed the contract because he said to me when I signed with him, if you're not making me any money, I don't care if you want to leave. I wasn't making him any money. So I wanted to leave and he wouldn't let me leave. And so, um, he, he, I, he said, well, how much money do you have? And I printed out my bank account statement and showed it. And he made me give him, write him a check for every dollar I had to get out of that contract. And I contacted lawyers and looked at it. And the truth is I only had like three grand. So in my, in, at the time it, it, in terms of lawyer fees and everything, it just made more sense just to pay him the money. And that wound up being a part of the most difficult year of my life up until that point, which was 2012, which has significance. We probably all know. And I got into car accidents. I needed surgery. I got a car accident. Someone ran a stop sign. I needed surgery on my hip. All of these, these things happened. And I had no money after years and years of struggling, even to make it to a point I had 3000 in my bank account. And, um, I, through that process of feeling completely broken, like everything was going wrong, there was a crack in my armor. And there's that saying, which is, you know, the, the cracks are where the light gets in. And I had been successful at a young age. You know, I'd gotten a scholar, academic scholarship to college. I'd been varsity sports. I'd won homecoming king, um, all of these things. Um, and so I just thought I had life figured out, you know what I mean? And then here I was having put years and a hundred, I'm a hard worker. I mean, a hundred percent effort into trying to build this career and it wasn't working. And then here I was with no money, with no, uh, nothing to show for it, needing surgery that I had to put on a credit card. And now I was in medical card debt, like that humbled me to the point of saying, maybe I don't actually know how life works. Maybe I thought I did, but maybe I don't. And that tiny bit of the crack in the armor, the willingness to say, maybe I don't know, opened me up to saying I need help. And that help came in the form of spirituality and sitting in ayahuasca for the first time in January of 2013, which then led to a spiritual awakening because I went, maybe there's, you know what? I'm open to it. Before that, if you couldn't prove it with science, I wanted nothing to do with it. But I was so desperate that, I, let me try this thing called ayahuasca. Sure. And, and the humility is what opened the door because the more we think we know, the less we have to learn. And, and so I needed to humble myself to become a student. And having sat now a lot of ayahuasca, it's important to show up at the altar as a humble student. It's actually important to move through life as a humble student. And I think that I needed to break the ego that I'd had thinking that I had it all figured out in order to, to arrive uh, at, as a humble student at the altar. That was golden. Whoa, that was golden. Yeah. That was real golden. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love it. Um, I was gonna say, but um, 
before we wrap up, in terms of what you what you plan on leaving behind when you you no longer physically present, um, what is that one thing that you want to leave behind? It for a long time for me it was legacy, but then I just kind of was just like you know I don't even understand history and history changes. And I'd be hearing people saying like history changes, you know, all the time and all these different things. What is it that you want to leave behind? Like, what is, what is that one imprint? Or even when, when you leave people, what is that one thing you want to imprint? You want to leave on people? I want to remind people that they are seen and heard and loved. I want to, I want to be that person that when you have a conversation with me here or you watch my content or listen to my podcast or join my community, like whatever it is, if you interact with me in some way, shape or form, you feel expanded. You feel expanded. You feel like there's more potential in your life. You feel like there's a different way of viewing the world that you previously hadn't thought before. And that world that you, you, that it opened your eyes to more ways in which you could love yourself, love others and love your life. And I will spend the rest of my life creating things that do that. You know, I will spend the rest of my life. I'm, I'm out here right now working on my first ever book of poetry. I'm, I am going to tour that and I'm going to start touring my poetry again. Uh, I am, you know, I have two different podcasts, the deep dive and you're too much. I, I am a creator. I am creating so many things. I'm involved in the Leaders Create Leaders Mastermind to help entrepreneurs be happy while building a thriving business. Um, like there are so many things that I do all with that intention. And all I know is that by the time I leave this earth in physical form, I will have a whole body of work that I left behind. What that means for my legacy, I don't know, man. Like look at Kobe Bryant is his legacy. Michael Jordan, his leg. They go out and they play each game each day. They're known what the, what I respect about them and why I bring them up is because they were known for how hard they worked. First, first one in last one out, they were known for that. And they were known for their tenacity about their work ethic. And that's, that's, for me is, is that aspect of I approach each day where I'm going to do the absolute best I can to create what feels true for me. And then when it's all said and done, the, the win loss columns is out of my control. What, whatever's I, I've left behind, everyone else can evaluate that. How many sales of my books, how many views of my content, how much money that I made. No one gives a shit, to be honest. What, what people care about is how'd you make them feel? How'd you, how did, how did it, it feel to, to listen to this interview right now with the people listening to this podcast? How did that feel? And my hope is that you're listening to this and you feel like you have more potential for your life that you didn't even really feel before listening to this. I don't know if you tried to say that, but that was a bar. You said, when I leave this world in physical form, I will leave a body of work. That was, I'm like, whoa. I don't know if you, I'm like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. I like that. I said, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna, hold on, let me write that down. I'm like, I might have to say, whoa. When I, when I, yeah, yeah. When I leave this world. In the, I'm like, what? I'm like, whoa. I don't know if he planned that, but that was, that was, that was good. Though. But that's the thing, man. And by the way, my request before we end this is I want to hear one of your poems. I'm going to put you on the Absolutely. spot. And yeah, absolutely. Man, but, but what the, what's the and, and maybe I'll spit something too. But the the thing that I 
I love about that is poetry and art is a way of seeing the world. It's not something you do. You're not a poet because you write poetry. You're a poet because of how you see the world. You're an artist because of how you see the world. The musician hears the rhythm in that jackhammer and construction. The photographer sees the way that the light enters the room and creates like a shadow and a light. It's just a way of seeing the world. And when you claim that way of seeing the world, the words you speak become poetry. The way, the way that you dress becomes the canvas. Art is a layer of beauty that is on top of the world that you can see if you choose to. And that's why it's so important how we treat our artists because our artists are the ones who remind us of that layer of existence that's available to all of us. And when we mistreat our artists, we devalue beauty. And so, uh, yeah, I'd like to think that the way I speak is poetic because I want to be someone who is, is living, breathing art. Um, that's powerful, man. I, I, this is just one last thing I wanted to touch on. It was so powerful. You said, you are seen, you are loved, you are heard. And I think those three have to really go together in order to be, um, in order for somebody to feel complete. Cause there's some people who feel loved, but they don't feel heard. Like, you know, that person who grew up in that family and they feel loved, but what they really want to feel is heard. You know, it's like the love. Yeah, that's cool. But they want to feel heard. There's some people they've been heard, but they haven't been seen. And there's some people have been seen and heard, but they haven't been loved. And I heard you say that in another podcast, you say it all the time. You are seen, you are loved, you are heard. And that's just powerful. It's powerful. Cause I'm like, it's, it, it, they got to go together. All three you are seen, go you are heard, you are loved. It's my sign off on all of, of pretty much all my, my longer pieces of content, my YouTube videos, my podcast on the deep dive. And, and it's because I think that when people feel those things, the world, all the problems will take care of themselves. The, all the problems will take care of themselves. When people feel fully seen, heard, and loved, when they feel those things, they, they understand that they matter. They understand that the things that they do matter. They understand that people care. When, when those things actually happen, the, the problems will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. I wanted to leave us off with a poem since you put me on the spot, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure I got this because I haven't performed a specific poem in a, in a minute. Ooh, I'm trying to go. find it. Fresh- we got fresh, fresh uh, poetry <laughs> here. Let's see. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it. I, I could just do it off the top of my head, but I don't know if I'll be able to um, do it. I want to hear it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just do it off the top of my head yeah. uh, and, and, and see what comes out. Don't forget to um, take a deep breath before you start, bro. It's in there. Yeah, it's in there. It's definitely in there. Um, I always envision castles, not caskets, palatial mansions with masterful maintenance, not maggots. I eat syrup sandwiches, goddammit. I didn't come to this masquerade to masquerade. I put childish things away so my mask could fade. The dark night sees two faces when he uses mirrors to mask his pain. Now I bask in the rain. Some food for thought to keep you sane. How many times do you ponder the same idea before you realize the leftovers don't taste the same? I took, I, I can't remember the rest after that. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, if I had my phone, I, I could be able to. But you, you get the yeah. gist of it. I, if I could find it on my phone, I could perform the whole thing. You got yeah. it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have known. I, we wouldn't have known. You know what I'm saying? I think that's uh, my, but I think that's one thing about like when I did theater and um, 
man, sometimes you forget your lines, but nobody knows but you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Something just keep that flow going. You know what I'm saying? We don't know. It's, it's, your, it's your words. You know, it was good, though. It was thank really good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was really good. All right. Well, I'm going to, can I, can I leave us out, Lena, in this with one? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. It's only right. This one, um, yeah, I think this one's relevant. It's also, I, I posted the, the, that reel with a part of it, so it's fresh on my mind. Um, this poem is called Make America Think Again. Take a nice deep inhale. Exhale. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Maybe I'm not speaking too clearly, so allow me to rephrase the question, am I alone, am I alone out here? I mean, it's not doubt or fear that needs to know, it's just, well, am I alone? Because my parents kept saying, God is with you because that's what they tell you when you're growing up Catholic. And to avoid going to hell, I kept showing up to practice, praying every Sunday, hoping that one day it would all make sense to me. And I could stop giving my two cents to the priest who preached about patience and understanding, but never seemed too thrilled that I kept asking him how or why. It was like I was the only one who dared to question the lessons being taught from an old book. And maybe they mistook my skepticism for defiance, but was it really the best decision to try and silence a young kid's curiosity with animosity when I wasn't being a smartass? Honestly, the old stories just seemed lost on me. And that's not some knock on these folks, but like that one Socrates quote says, I can't teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. Yet, despite one of our most famous thinkers, most famous thoughts, I grew up thinking it was not okay to question authority. Follow the majority. Why? Because we said so. But, nah, -uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Go fit in over there where the rest of the crowd is. And don't be the quietest, but definitely don't be the loudest. Fall in line with the rest of the sheep and you'll make us the proudest. Bah! What was that? Is that kid speaking up? Bah, what a brat. That kid doesn't give a fuck. He asked too many questions. It's time to suppress him. Let's sell him some meds and tell him he has depression, but he doesn't have depression. Well, then think of something else. String some letters together and tell him his health needs some help for ADD, ADHD, or some other combination. It doesn't really matter as long as he's on medication, but concentrated sugar and wrappers provide him false education will make him slower and fatter like the rest of the population. Did you get that? Are you taking notes? Go ahead, read it back. Let me hear what you wrote. <clears throat> Put fluoride in his water, give him chemicals to eat because the system only works if the people stay asleep. Don't worry about being caught because the people act like sheep. We've been doing it forever and they don't make a peep. Good, you got it. This isn't a joke. This isn't satire, this is the reality we are living in. Saying we're the victims, they can only take what we are giving them. Complaining about our graves when we are the ones digging them. Hating on our lives, but our lives aren't even genuine. Saying we want change, but instead we just keep giving in like we're bathing in the waters our oppressors just keep shitting in. Staying in the houses our oppressors just keep sitting in. Fingers out and blame, but we still think we are winning when we have enough to eat and others starve because we're letting them. Time to Get off of this high horse that we have all been sitting in and stop ignoring human crimes all for the sake of fitting in and be the change we wish to see.
That's the only way to begin again. We can't change the system if we keep choosing comfortable lies over inconvenient truths. And none of us are innocent, even if we weren't there for the start of this. But being a sheep no longer works for me. I want no more part in this. So I will ask all the questions they don't want us to ask and maybe wind up at the heart of this. Like, why? And how? And what the fuck is really going on? But it's not just me. It's all of us who decide if we float or if we sink. Besides, I can't teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. Hey, that's mic drop, man. God damn it. <laughs> hey, man. Or Thank you. Thank I got you. changed in this whole interview, man. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. Thank you, thank sure. you. And I got that, that poem's actually, I put that to music uh, on an album that's out on Spotify under my name. Uh, the album's called Permission, if people want more of that. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, thought that was, I thought that was a relevant poem to everything we've been talking about. Yes. I loved it. Tell them, where, tell them where they can find you on social media or your, in your website. Yeah, you can, you can find me. Uh, AdamRoa.com is the website and Adam.Roa on Instagram. And there's everywhere, you know, like Facebook, YouTube, all of the places. Uh, I have a text message community and a, a weekly newsletter. I have a three C's newsletter where I break down consciousness, creativity, and community every mm -hmm. Monday. I, I, I focus on those three areas um, every Monday. So I just got, I got a lot of it. And if, and if you want to stay connected with me, I encourage you to do so. If you're an entrepreneur looking to scale your business, I have a mastermind. And if you're just looking for community, I have thecreatecommunity.com. Um, as an opportunity for you to get in and, and be surrounded by epic humans. So I got lots. I love it. I love it, man. Make sure y'all stay tuned in. I appreciate y'all tuning in for this episode. I appreciate you coming on this episode and just blessing us with your presence, man. This is powerful, man. I know they're going to appreciate this, man. This is Breaking the Machine, the deep dive, Adam Roa. It's a wrap.